you never have I felt like such a disposable commodity and so undervalued. And like I say, obviously some people have a great experience with publishers, but the vast majority of writers that I speak to, including best-selling ones, have a really icky relationship with their publisher. Holding on, beliefs, letting go, always know exactly when to fall. Beliefs, letting go, always know exactly when to Hi, and welcome to Knowing When to Quit. I'm Sarah Wyler. I'm a TEDx speaker, coach, and creative multi-passionate, and I've spent the last six years fascinated with our relationship to quitting. In this podcast, I invite people to share moments they wanted to quit, how they navigated the uncertainty, and what it taught them about what's important to them. Wherever you're at with your own quitting decisions, I hope you can keep choosing the people, places, and projects that really light you up. Thank you for being here. On today's show, I have the wonderful Selena Barker, life design and career change coach, the author of Burnt Out, founder of Project U and the Hello 2023 Goodbye 2022 journal series. Selena was my entry point into designing a life I loved when I took her course back in 2013. And so it is a wonderful full circle to have her on the pod today. She'll be talking about how she decided to quit two publishing deals and all of the decisions that lead to that. But this is a wider conversation about choosing what's right for you and yeah, feeling empowered to make the right decisions. Listen out at the end for a free guide that you can download, which I'm happy to say was inspired by this conversation about whether to wait for a publisher. Selena said, why wait for a book deal when I can enjoy writing it now and can share it straight away? And I've loved the process. So thank you so much for sharing that, Selena. Really excited to read it. And finally, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support us, please share the episode with friends, leave a review or rate the podcast. All of this helps these conversations reach more people. Enjoy the episode. Selena Barker. And in the words of Elizabeth, welcome to Knowing When to Quit. You know how she does that. (laughs) Do you listen to How to Fail? No, not really. Oh, okay. Sometimes. She's just like, welcome. Anyway, but you are very welcome. Do you know what? I think it's really interesting podcast, isn't it? And, you know, everyone's, it's all about the celebrities and da, da, da. But, and and I will listen to podcasts like that one, for example, from time to time and really enjoy it. But the podcasts I really develop a strong relationship with are with people who feel like me. And yeah. talking to people, I get so tired of celebrities and big names as the go-to for talking about life when actually it's yeah. the people who haven't spent their many years, you know, shining their <laughs> self-publishing, self-publicity, I don't know, whatever it is, star, to get out into the world it's the ones that are behind the scenes doing this stuff that I find really interesting yeah relatable role models 
There you go. You said it in a much better way than I did. That being said, <laughs> Selena, you are a celebrity in my life. You, you are my hashtag. The reason I'm doing what I'm doing. So, <laughs> oh, but seriously, my 10 year anniversary of doing Ignition. Oh, wow. Which I bought for £99 and it felt like it. It was like the first time I'd ever spent money on any professional development. And I was like, what, £99 on a PDF? But it was honestly like the most transformational thing I've ever done. And it kickstarted it all. That's amazing. And do you know what? We were creating Ignition um, when I, I think at the time when I was living for a short period in Canada, talking Ooh. about know when to quit. I was like, right, that's it. I need to leave London. It's making me crazy. I'm going to go off. Well, first I went off in a camper van for six months and traveled around the UK. And that was amazing. Then I was like, well, now I have my business in a bag. I can live anywhere. So I traveled the coast of America and went to South America and then ended up in Canada where I had some friends. And I was like, this is where I'm going to stay. And um, that's where we created Ignition. That's where you are. That's where I, where I was. I suddenly yeah. took me back to being amongst the mountains in Squamish near Vancouver, creating it. I ended up quitting my plan to stay there for a year. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. I moved in, back to London. In London. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Well, I was in Vienna a couple of weekends ago, which is where I used to live 10 years ago. And it, I walked past the flat where I did ignition. And mm. I had a real feeling of like, yeah, I did make a lot of this happen. And it felt like such a pipe dream. I remember being like, maybe I could be a freelancer, you know? And I was like, it was so new. I worked full time at the time. So yeah, huge gratitude to you. Isn't it that. amazing? Isn't it amazing when you do take a moment and recognize the fact that the life that you're living now was once something that felt like such a far off dream. Mm. You weren't even sure it was possible. It felt like a pipe dream. It's really, it's so important and actually, to recognize the importance of quitting mm -hmm. in that journey. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an essential and unavoidable part, I think, of designing a life you love and creating a career that you love. Quitting, mm. you can't avoid quitting. It's hard to do, but I think it's, even when you are living a life you really enjoy, you still have to quit things. Yeah, and I think that sometimes, probably what has been more challenging for me is now I've created this life I really love that sometimes I forget that I can need to keep looking at it. Yeah. You know, and it's not like, it doesn't stop now. Because no. that, that was 10 years ago that I had thoughts of doing the things I'm doing now. So the, I'm kind of, now there might be new dreams and new ideas. Exactly. And so, and then it can feel a bit like, but this was the dream. It's like, well, some of it, and yes, and you did it and you can make stuff happen. But have you had that way? You've been like worked towards something and then after a while it's like, oh, this isn't what I want anymore, but you kind yeah. of feel conflicted about stopping it. A hundred percent. Well, so I did Project Love. Yeah, so tell everyone, also, tell everyone who you are. <laughs> gone straight in, haven't we? Hello, I'm Selena Barker. <laughs> so. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Argentina. Um, yes, my mum's Argentine, so I'm half Argentinian, and I am um, also with a Venezuelan guy. With a Venezuelan guy, so it sounds very casual. <laughs> my, my partner, my fiance, we one day get married. So, yes, yeah, Spanish is a big part of my life, which is wonderful. But, um, so yes, in a nutshell, always hard to, to get yeah. in a nutshell, but I'm a life design and career change coach, and I have been 
for I think I'm up to now 16 years helping people to create lives and careers and relationships that they love. And for eight years of that, I had a sort of podcast and a brand called Project Love with the wonderful Vicky Pavitt. And that was really about, um, again, it was helping people to create lives and relationships and careers that they love. And we had huge visions for that, mm. of what it could become and the potential of it and the possibilities of it. Really successful podcast that people loved. Not huge numbers, though. We didn't have it sponsored, for example, because we never got big enough numbers that, you know, um, the powers that be considered it to be um, worthy of sponsoring. But we did have huge dreams of it. You know, I look back in my, so I've got the goodbye Hello Journals, so, mm-hmm. which started in, I'm looking at it now, Goodbye 2017, Hello 2018. And I think there, I sponsored that. I think I had, because yes, you did a crowdfunding Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I was doing them as a PDF for about six years previous mm. to that. So I'll look back, and, and I think probably in that first one, 2017, that we do a looking ahead for five years. And when I look, so interesting and hard, actually, at first to look at the dream life that I conjured up. And I say hard at first because there are some big dreams in there that didn't happen. And last year, it was actually Vicky that said, um, "I it's it's time for me mm. to say a loving farewell to Project Love and move on and do some mm. other things. And she's very much the love coach and I'm the life design and career coach. Um, was that, did you see that coming? I did see it coming. And to be honest, that massive dream that we had where Project Love was going to be huge, it was going to be global, we're going to mm. sell courses and make loads of money. And that part of it never happened. And we had already done some intentional conscious uncoupling. So it stopped being a business quite a few years before that. And we just had it really as a podcast, really as mm. a, a brand and platform. a marketing platform and a community that we loved. Um, and it was actually a very effective um, marketing platform, which perhaps we didn't realize until we no longer had it. Um, but yeah, so so we'd already had sort of incremental decisions to mm. put to bed the bigger dream, but we were still carrying on. And then it was a final farewell. And I was like, okay, well, and in my usual way, right, don't look at it as quitting it, look at it as an evolution. And I yeah. evolved it into Project U and onwards. And it was, oh my God, my seven-year-old son said to me um you know how you're finishing project love and starting project you and I said yeah he said I think you should just have a break between- whoa by the way he he did listen my well he did listen to my book burns out for a year every night to fall asleep and I think <laughs> I him created oh I see He's a tiny a- well-being coach that's <laughs> amazing I was like what do you even mean He's like, I just don't think you should do one immediately after the other. I think you should have a gap. And I was like, I don't know. Okay, cool. Thanks, buddy. And then about a month later, I was like, shit, he was right. What was I doing? I hadn't allowed for the space mm. to grieve. The void. I hadn't allowed. I know I did not want to void. And also, you know, the panic and scarcity and money. And it's been a tumultuous few years yeah. financially with for, for the coaching industry and for small businesses. So... Perhaps it was because of that, but he was absolutely right. I hadn't, I hadn't grieved it, and then I had to sort of grieve in retrospect. And, um, mm. but yeah. So, but I do think that just coming back to to quitting being a really important part of designing a life that you love and 
and that will happen to dreams because you'll try something and you'll have a vision for it and it might not work yeah you know and or you'll tr or you'll do something for a number of years and realize you know what I've kind of outgrown this or yeah. I've gone on this journey as far as I need to and I now want something else because we yeah. evolve and we change and after a while you just want something different so mm. I think that quitting things and and the other thing I also do is I have a tendency to take things on that I'm so excited about the idea of it I don't think through the details Sarah <laughs> and the energy that it will require to make that thing happen and so suddenly I'll have a plate which is so overloaded it's crushing me and I'll be like <clears throat> okay so I'm at least going to have to pause half of this stuff and shift it into next year, maybe the <laughs> year after. And actually, in all honesty, if there are certain things which really are not affecting my mental health well, I may have to make some tough decisions and quit them. And I, again, I did that last year. It was something I was doing with someone else. It was yeah. a course. And it's just, it just wasn't working. And it was just, just it was mm. not working out the way we had envisioned. And eventually I was like... I need to pull the plug on this. And it was the mm -hmm. right decision in the end, actually, for both of us. But it was such a hard one. Such so, a hard one to so make, particularly hard. if someone else is involved. You know? But usually, I found when I've called it in a collaboration, the other person is also like, to be honest, I wasn't either wasn't brave enough or didn't have the energy to look at it. It yep. definitely is right. But there's usually something in the energy that feels a bit off. If, some, if yeah. something's feeling a bit forced or we've got to follow through and... Yeah, yeah, and also if you have got one person who isn't fully in, then even with the other person, even if they are fully in, they'll realise once they've gone their separate ways that actually, oh, hold on, this is so much better because actually that other person Space. not being fully in, it was, you know, it wasn't like, you know what it's like in a team or even in a workplace when, you know, a couple of employees or team members just aren't actually enjoying their job. It can bring everyone else down, you know, and it can sort of, be a bit of a buzzkill I'm not saying that it certainly wasn't that with with me and Vicky but I think that you know it did certainly her making that brave decision was a bit of a shock but it immediately opened up new opportunities that I hadn't realized that I was not doing because we were yeah. in it together and one of them was to quit the publisher that I was with doing the goodbye hello journals and to go back to self-publishing to the publisher I'm really curious about you said like your your wise son told you to take a break and you said I really had to grieve it how do you go about grieving something that you've done for eight years like what did you have a process a ritual what did that look like for you wow I've, I tell you what I've said I've learned so much about the grieving process with Donna Lancaster hmm. in fact her book The Bridge is all about loss and grieving and how to process it um, and you know what she says in the Western world, we just don't know how to grieve. We don't have rituals and um, help to process. And and if we don't grieve things properly, we can't fully move on. So despite knowing all of this and worked with her quite extensively, I is thought, that like a, a retreat center you go to called the Bridge? Is that the same so the thing? The Bridge. So Donna's written a book called The Bridge based on a retreat that she used to do, a six day yeah. residential retreat that she used to do. She now does a shorter one. 
just plugging Donna and all the great stuff she does. Um, she now does a shorter two day one called Grief Something. Um, but so I do know the importance of it. Doesn't stop me from trying to sidestep it and jump into the fun bit, which is like, oh, new chapter. Let's, I know, ignoring what my wise son was saying to have a gap. I still don't <laughs> understand why he said that. But anyway, I should have. He's probably that. parroting though, isn't he? If he heard you say it on your book notes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Um, he's, he's, he's the guru. Yeah. So, so you wouldn't meet him and think he was some wise little guru, but he does come out with these things. I'm just I like, my that. partner looks at me and he's like, you brainwashed him. I was like, in the best possible way. Life coach <laughs> Yeah. Um, what did you end up doing then to grieve Project Love? Do you know what? I think it was just a lot of it was just sitting with the feeling mm. of it, with the feeling of sadness and disappointment, journaling, journaling about it. Um, and and actually looking at those, back at those dreams and facing them, because I think I didn't want to even look at them because obviously underneath some layers, I felt like there had been a failure. And so it was then actually having that conversation myself, reflecting, looking back at that and reframing it and going, but you know, you at the heart of it, at the heart of th those dreams, you are actually, already experience a lot of what you wanted to experience I do have a team it's not like literally a whole team working for me in an office but I do have a team I do have people supporting me amazing people um and I just was looking at like what are the real core ingredients of what these dreams are and actually which of those am I doing but not in the way I thought I would be and which of those am I yet to do that I really want to bring with me and go, no, I don't, I'm not ready to let go of this. So I you think you might it, do it in a different context. Exactly. And I think we can get really fixated on the dream having to look exactly like the vision we created five mm. years ago. Um, but also recognizing you never have to let go parts of dreams, you know, that you don't want to. I mean, I know you've talked about this on the podcast about, um, you know, having children, not having children. Mm. And, you know, I I went through this. I did end up having a child. But, you know, in my mid-30s thinking I really need to find peace with the idea that I might not become a mother in the way that I wanted to, which is a growing one in my belly. Mm. But there are so many other ways I can become a mother. And that's, there's there's no time, ticking time clock on that. And opening up my dream to allow for, it's showing up in different yeah. ways and not having to be the way that I imagined it was having to be um, and being a bit more flexible with with how I being dreams. open to the how isn't it yeah and what it looks like but no and I always say this and this we would talk about this in ignition you know in those days I remember talking about this you unwrap the dream to find what is the experience mm. that really lies at the heart of it because you can then go, well, how can I bring that experience to life today? Yeah. And also then you recognize that that experience actually could show up in all sorts of different ways. Yeah. You know, I remember the classic thing about those people say they want to open a cafe and you're like, yeah. but is it that you want to open a cafe or do you want to run an event or do you want to cook or do you want to have a sense of community? And then you yeah. get to the heart of it and you're like, oh, well, then you need to run an event or you need to cook a meal. 
But exactly. don't, don't wait. People put on bids and like have shops and they're like, oh no, I just wanted to put on an event. Yeah. And they don't realize, yes, exactly. And they also don't take into account what running a cafe would actually look like and the stock taking and the cash flow and the managing the people. And, um, you know, is it Tom Hodgkinson from The Idler? Yeah. Um, and he, he, well, I read a book when I had COVID, so I suddenly remember it. To him talking about, um, them starting a bookshop and a cafe, The Idler, mm. and how horrible he found it. Totally, completely misaligned to what he imagined it would be like. Suddenly he was managing people and he said, I was a horrible manager. <laughs> really awful, like really bad. Hired totally the wrong people. And he's just like, I hadn't for a second thought that it would be about this. Yeah. Um, but I do love that of looking at, you know, three people all with the same dream, it could be of running a cafe, it could be of being, you know, a rock star. But each person, actually, the experience that lies at the heart of it can be so wildly different, yeah. you know. And I've I've worked with actors, for example, who had to quit their life as an actor. And it was very painful and they were very, you know, huge dreams that they had and almost felt like getting there and then it just didn't work and really hard. And then unwrapping that and for them to realise actually what they love is the performance part and now mm -hmm. they are um there's one person I'm thinking of in particular he's he's a, a career uh life coach presentations coach mm -hmm. in in companies and offices he loves it he gets to perform yeah but it's also now added with a real meaningful part he helps people to grow and find their voice and overcome their fears and so actually that dream that he thought was his everything that was so hard to quit now he's so grateful yeah. for the life that he has. And it comes with stability that he couldn't find in an mm -hmm. acting career, you know? So it's like when we dare to quit just even the vision and the dream, yes. it's, it's you know, I, always, I say this so many times in my coaching, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, and the first thing often is to quit, throw the baby all out with the bathwater, yeah. all of it. And then I'm like, okay, now, now let's, let's go back and go get the baby. <laughs> which parts are the baby yeah. you know, and which parts are the bathwater? And I think it's really natural to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The number, that's why I always laugh because so many times people are like, I just think I want to run a cafe. These days though, it's changed. So I've been doing What do you this. think it is now? What's right, the... so when I first started 16 years ago, I know if it was, it was teacher. Everyone wanted to become a teacher. Really? Yes. Everyone, oh. everyone's like, I don't know. I just feel like it must be so much fun. And I think everyone now understands the realities oh of being a teacher, um, particularly on the day of recording, they, they're on strike again and with good reason. So it went from teacher, then it became the cafe. Yeah, if I had a dime, then, and it was always like, and I would love it because I would say to people, I was like, oh, you know, if, if I had a dime, a penny, a pound, if every time someone said, you know what I'd really like to just run a cafe? And then I'm like, and then they say, but it wouldn't just be a cafe. It would be a cafe and a bookshop. And I'm like, and then people look at me like shocked. I'm like, is, that's your dream. They're like, that's yeah. my dream. Like, that's everyone's dream. This is like pre-pandemic. Then yeah, I think yeah, yeah. the pandemic washed that one away. Yeah, yeah. And now it's ceramics. Is it? <laughs> I didn't know that one. I'll say I don't know. Maybe I just want to quit it all. And I don't know, like make pots. And I'm like, yet again, here's my penny jar. And I'm become a rich woman because it's, it's so funny. There must be something in the zeitgeist that yeah. like becomes, but I think there's something about, you know, with each of them, it does make sense. And with, and yeah. with the ceramics one, it's 
wanting to use your hands. Yeah. There's an experience of freedom that they imagine around making making the creativity you know with the cafe it's community bringing people together mm. it's relaxed it's informal it's connection with the teaching it's meaningful it's fulfilling you know it's legacy you're you're passing on you're making a difference so in all of them there's really core ingredients that a lot of people crave yeah but, and so their go-to the thing that they know um is 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 you know the teaching the cafe the <laughs> the ceramics so yeah and it, apparently it's very hard to get hold of a potting a second-hand potting wheel these days because I, I am actually in the are market you, for one <laughs> are you, are you, you get this is putting a little dot thing in your own jar there but I think what people say to me I think a lot of people say to me they just want to like wait they want to try creative projects they want to have a life where they can just try loads of stuff hmm. and like be just like have the flexibility freedom I want to be variety. a writer I want to be a writer I want to just make write poetry write poetry now. I mean this is the other thing I loved from Ignition was well what's a small version that you could do tomorrow yeah like how can you already be doing it yeah oh and my I, god that's so important so important I feel it's such a powerful question because what I see is that you get to the essence of it yeah what is that but this is also why I'm really passionate about showing people that if you want to write a book or a journal yeah you do not have to wait to be given permission yes. by, a, by a publisher. There are so many ways and your words need to be out in the world. I want them to be out in the world. And you can absolutely do that off your own steam. You don't have to quit your job. You don't have to pay loads of money to, yeah. to make it happen. But you, if you have a dream of writing your book, which many people do, or a collection of poems or a journal, you can absolutely do it. And you don't need to wait for publishers to, to give you the permission. Quit. When I approached you about this podcast, you're like, ooh, I want to talk about quitting two book deals. Yeah, a double, well, it was a double journal deal. Tell so, me about this. So this journal is, it's an end of year journal. Obviously every year the title changes this year. It's goodbye 2022, hello 2023. I started that as a, like a PDF, in fact, not even a PDF, a Word document. Thanks. Many, many, many moons ago. Um, I, just because I wanted to you know, a, a way to process the end of one year, reflect on a year as it came to an end, and then take a moment to pause. And after taking stock of the year that had come to an end, really get clear on what I wanted the year to come to be all about. So I started doing it and sharing it amongst friends and clients, and it became really popular. I've made many different tools and exercises that have not become popular, <laughs> but this one did. And I loved using it. And so over the years, I shared it with more and more people. And then I had this dream. I want it to be an actual journal that you hold mm. in your hands. And I want to be able to see this collection of your journals mm -hmm. building up on your bookshelf, which I can see right That's now. Incredible. And it just brings so much joy. So I finally said to, and interestingly, so Vicky and I, we were approached by two uh, literary agents around the same time who were like, we love what you're doing. And they gave us the big spiel. Well, one in particular gave us the big spiel. Like, this is what you could be, pow, pow, pow. Turns, this happens a lot in the world of publishing from the agents through to the publishers themselves a lot of like this is what you could be and we would do this and we do that and it's not just a book it's a brand and then you'd have this number of different books after that and all of this stuff we were like oh my god we've hit the big times are so exciting so we quickly started to work on writing book proposals 
two years later, we'd sweat blood and tears for like the fourth book proposal we'd done. This wasn't and the journal though. This is another... this wasn't the journal. This was like the project love mm -hmm. book and what mm -hmm. that was going to be about. And publishers kept asking for different things. And we, you know, we'd finally decided, right, this is the book proposal. And we did it all, spent months on it. And then our agent turned around and was like, yeah, people are now saying actually not so much a book on this that you've been doing, but maybe a book on this. And I was oh like, God. you know what? I'm done. I am officially done. Like, this is not, this, this isn't worth it. So I said to Vicky, look, if we were to quit this idea of doing this, effing book and instead do what they said we shouldn't do because it should be a merchandise thing that comes after the main book do the journal which i've mm. wanted to do oh, so this was a while ago this so this is two there's a few quitting stories in this yeah, this yeah. was like this was in 2017 i see and so we're like vicky's like yeah let's do it let's do it I'm like okay i'll start a kickstarter did a kick we did a kickstarter and we hit 150% of our target and sent a thousand journals out to 32 countries around the world. It was oh amazing, God. which by the way, is a terrible idea at Christmas time to go into a post office <laughs> with like a bag of journals. This one's to Australia, typing in the address oh, for each joking. one. Everyone behind us being like, we want to kill you. Um, but we did it and it was really exciting. And so that made us go, right, next year, we're gonna do it again. Let's try and get it into some shops. The dream would be Oliver Bonus. We got a, a, a loan from the bank to actually print it beforehand. And we got it into Oliver That's Bonus. amazing. How like, did you get to into Oliver Bonus? We just, we, you know, we were such ones for just asking around. Does anyone know anyone from Oliver Bonus? And someone <laughs> like, well, I do happen to know this person. Actually, I was thinking you could do an event with them. Blah, blah, blah. So we just managed to like... Well find our way in we didn't know how to publish a book i would put on facebook does anyone know anything about publishing a book or selling books in shops <laughs> and a friend of my brother's a friend of a friend of my brother's um was like yeah i work for whatever publisher and he sat on the phone with me for an Aww. hour and talked me through all it was amazing amazing asking and asking for yeah help. exactly and that was you know how can you make it happen in a sort of small way and now and so we did that and that was amazing and then we got the opportunity to go with a publisher we were like well great because there seems to be a bit of a bottleneck where if you're self-publishing you can't get into even the independent bookshops unless really? you're with a big yes unless you're a big <laughs> distributor it's a whole thing i was speaking by i was speaking to an independent bookshop owner the other day and he said the problem he said we do take books directly from self-published authors he said can you imagine the spreadsheets and the logistical nightmare of managing all of that and I was like oh my god I now get it rather so than that's why like rather than going to the main distributor and it's just it simplifies everything and everything's on a database and it's all automatic and it's got an ISBN and you know they should stuff. have self-published bookshops I mean yeah with a cafe so, this is why actually Amazon interestingly I'll come on to it yeah. is um not always the evil uh overlord and actually is a huge champion of self-published yeah. we'll get on to that so we got this this you know catch 22 we want to get it into other shops but we can't because we're not with a main distributor let's go with a publisher and also they can do like all of the work so we did and it was amazing we got someone who was interested they did want to pay us half the amount of money we were making when we were self-publishing it as ourselves but we wouldn't have to do the huge amounts of work involved mm -hmm. 
and you know did that feel yeah. fair like a fair exchange it felt like okay well all right yeah I mean it did fit it felt okay because we because like I say they were going to do all the work yeah other than like we didn't even have to rewrite it we just changed the year and a few a few Best lines here model. and there to change the quotes um <laughs> so that worked so so that year it went really well we got it at the till front of the Tate Modern oh my oh. god it was amazing and to this day I got in touch with them actually recently they were like yeah we sold loads definitely let's talk about next year um and then the pandemic came so obviously it was hard selling books at all got through the pandemic and it just in that time I should also say I also got another book deal on my mm -hmm. own to write Burnt Out, The Exhausted mm -hmm. Person's Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced World. That experience with the publisher, boy, that I started writing it just as the just as the pandemic began. Was it from your own personal burnout or from seeing people? It, a from a combination. Yeah. A combination. And realizing, my God, the book that everyone really needs is like how like, you know, everyone seems to be burning out. And so I was like, right, I we've got to stop accepting this. We're normalizing this. It's just, it's just how it is. I like no enough. No. So loved writing that. The experience of the actual publisher I worked with was amazing. She is amazing. She's a writer. Like the individual. The individual. Mm. But the publishing experience, like I said at the start of this, they they really big you up. They're like, yeah, it could be this. Oh my God, it's amazing. And we'll, then we'll, of course, put you in touch with the PR team and the marketing. They're going to love this. I can really see it in this magazine and that magazine. And of course, you've got some good contacts in media. So, you know, you can use those and da da da. da. It's going to be really exciting. Gosh, people need this. And you get all excited. Like, these guys are your team. Yeah. Oh my God, this is so cool. Like, oh, I don't have to do it on my own. It's so exciting to have a team with. You know, they'll call it the marketing machine. You know, it's really good because this publisher has a really good, they have access to that really big marketing PR machine. And so you're like, oh my God, this is going to be so exciting and so big. And the reality is not that at all. You're on your own. You just like go. Also, the advance, I really is a bugbear that they call it an advance. So I assumed there was going to be an advance. I stopped taking on clients. Mm. I didn't get that advance until about a few weeks before I handed the first draft in. I missed a mortgage repay, a mortgage payment for the first time in my life because I did not have the money. And while I was writing this book, which is a very vulnerable and scary thing to do. About burnout. <laughs> I, about burnout. I was having to chase them and chase them and chase them and chase them for my money. I was like, where oh my is God. my money? This is not just my experience. This is every writer's experience. The advance does not come in advance. So they want you, and, and the contract wasn't signed. They want you to take a huge step away from like, if you're, you know, like who exactly has an enormous pot of money of savings that they can live off? So when they talk about publishers are like, how can we make it more diverse, different voices from different backgrounds? And it's like, well, you're gonna have to change your you whole system. People. You're gonna have to pay people actually in advance because I couldn't, I didn't have a pot of savings to live off. And I assumed the advance would come first so I'd have my bills covered. At least it would be tight, oh my but God. they did it. And so the anxiety while trying to write a book and also, you know, once you're off writing it, well, the publishers are dealing with, I don't know what they're dealing with, but it certainly isn't you. Mm. So, and publishers are notorious for not, for bad communication and not getting back in touch. And people will send stuff forward, writers will send stuff to the publisher, they won't hear back for weeks, 
and they're like do you even like it like if you, you get know, it yeah there's there's such a lack of mm. and i get it you know is it a power thing or are they just overworked they're overworked and i think that the the industry as a whole is a real master servant i think it comes from a really old you know how like actors were basically treated like prostitutes mm. not so many you know decades ago i think that whole artist yeah the way artists are treated it's just it's a real master and servant thing and you feel so you're, you're supposed to be so grateful that they are willing to give you the honor of printing your book and publishing your book that it's like suck it up yeah that's, yeah. that's the feeling it's a whole and having not wanted to ever have a boss because I didn't like the master servant dynamic to find myself in that. And I've worked, for example, I made an audible series called the career change coach yes. with a, with a music, with a production a podcast production company. That was such a gorgeous relationship. I had a team, they had my back, there was full respect and I loved it. And so I thought it would be the same. I did that mm. shortly before I went into this publishing experience and I was like, Oh, this is, Ugh, it's just so gross, the underlying energy to that relationship. And as a writer, you feel so far down the pecking order of importance, like basically the bottom rung, even though it's your words, it's your, work. your work that is literally creating the money for this industry. And our, um, writers like me are known as lottery tickets. So what it means is They'll get a whole bunch of writers. They'll take a gamble, give it a go, shoot it out there. If in the first two weeks, oh my God, everyone's loving this topic, good timing, it's the right thing. Then they'll spend, then they'll focus their attention on you. But if it doesn't, oh well, on to the next. And so when you expect yeah, there to so be- disposable. Oh, you're such a, you never have I felt like such a disposable commodity and so undervalued. And like I say, obviously some people have a great experience with publishers, but the vast majority of writers that I speak to, including best-selling ones, yeah. have a really icky relationship with their publisher. So I'd had that experience. And then I just went, so when I was offered this double journal deal for this Goodbye 2022, Hello 2023, and then the following year, and they wanted to bring the price down because each year they have to pay another advance. Well, they <laughs> should. And when I looked at the the amount that they were selling and made rough calculations, I was like, why in the... And they didn't do a stitch of marketing over the last couple of years for us. What they were you getting no from press. them then? Well, they got them printed in a factory in China for us, I guess, without... I don't know. I mean, that that's it. So you have no control over where it's printed, the, the level of sustainability. Yeah. You don't, I mean, we did art direct a lot of the, the covers because, I mean, yeah, that's a whole separate thing. So we were able to have quite a lot of um, sway on the covers and the design. Um, and and we would do all of the marketing and get all of the marketing and press. And of course, this is the other thing that the reason so many brilliant writers with amazing content, amazing stories get turned down because they don't have enough Instagram followers, yeah. social media followers, is because you are going to sell the book. Yeah. <laughs> not the publisher. Yeah. They are not good at selling books. They're not. They don't. I don't know why they haven't figured this one out. Like they could to, have much better books. To be better at selling the books, better yeah. at marketing them. So they, 
they rely on the on the author to sell them and so i was like do you know what oh, i just i'm gonna take these journals back i'm gonna do it myself because i don't just don't like if i'm in a relationship where it's a group of friends a romantic relationship a business relationship long enough where i'm like i do not feel good yeah this i'm gonna quit that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i i can't stay in that and so i was like i don't like the publishing industry full stop the individuals are hard working also probably not being treated very well because they're also servants essentially to the master the grand master and i was like i'm out of here i don't need i actually don't need this and i think it's going to be better for me to self-publish it anyway yeah but let me tell you it has been really hard so i also don't want to say forget publishers yeah. self-publishing is a much better option but i did have to fork out a big chunk of money to print the books in london so mm that's with brexit and the it i mean the price of paper increased almost by 50 percent from january of last year to the time i got them printed in october i had to fork out a huge chunk of money super scary was i even going to break even and i did i didn't make quite as much money as i would have had i gone with the the advance that with the money i would have been paid but i think next year i will but even so it's still is so much better and more enjoyable for me to be direct to consumer and and I love it I love yeah. doing it but I think what I'm definitely going to change this time is I'm going to um do smaller numbers yeah make it less of a big you know big, yeah, limited edition it's limited edition and therefore it's not so much cost involved mm. and so I've learned a lot from this experience but it was absolutely nerve-wracking. But the thing is, with with self-publishing, you can do it in so many different ways. I like to have this spot UV cover and all this fancy yeah. stuff, so I have to go with a with a printer. But like with, with Amazon, you can do print on demand and really lovely print on demand. Ruth Ridgway does some gorgeous journals that are print on demand, beautifully designed, nice quality paper, actually nice cover. And so when you go and buy it on Amazon, Amazon print it. No so way. she's not she's not putting in any money so you can so you can do novels oh, fiction wow. journals print on demand it's not amazon only that do it there are other companies that do it as well um and you know non-fiction if you're sort of writing a self-help book i know people natalie lou whose book um the joy of saying no it's the yes. first book she's gone with a publisher mm-hmm. first time she's gone with a publisher after many, many years of hugely successful self-publishing, making mm-hmm. a good amount of money. And um, and so there are so many different ways to do it. I do think though, going with a publisher does have the benefit of, well, if you're going print on demand, it doesn't have a huge benefit other than you cannot deny the kudos of having a publisher even if it's a published someone hasn't heard of, having a published to say, we'll print your book and saying, yeah. I'm a published author. I was speaking at Cheltenham Literary Festival a year ago, two years ago, I can't remember. They probably wouldn't have invited me to be on a panel if I was self-published. Mm. There is a kudos that comes with it. Off that book, off Burnt Out, you know, I do a lot of corporate talks now, which is really good income. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't, and having, being able to say, I'm the author of Burnt Out, published by yeah. Master. Um, 
it come it does come with a kudos and of course now and again people get i do know people who get massive advances mm. and i'm like celebrating all the way with them because that is amazing but a lot of the time yeah and a lot of the time you don't get a massive advance and you have to compromise on everything from some the kind of content you put in to the name mm. of it to the cover to the design so um you do have to give away i think particularly if it's non-fiction um certainly a bit of your power over yeah. it and you lots of and emma gann has talked about this a lot you know always receiving so many emails and messages from people who first time authors saying oh my god I, I can you help me like how do I market my book my my publisher isn't doing anything for me she's just like come on guys don't take people on and then not give them any marketing and she'll get a lot of you know kickback saying we do we're all burnt out here which is true people in the publishing industry are quite mm. you know have high levels of burnout so I'm not saying it's the individuals working with publishers I think they're under the same oppressive patriarchal system <laughs> yeah you know and like someone pointed out you know editors get paid really badly for example I mean I don't know the sort of the different roles and 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 what the salaries are but I, it's so important for people to know oh my god you don't have to wait to get a publishing mm. deal and in fact it could be even better for you to self-publish and there are so many different ways to do it yeah and it sounds like one of the main things is that feeling of autonomy Oh, yeah. And and it, it almost is like a, a microcosm of the kind of patriarchal structures, isn't it? You either have the kudos that you're someone, someone has chosen you. The status, yeah. 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 Or you have the autonomy and the agency, your yeah. self-agency, I guess. Exactly. Than, yeah. yeah, it is a choice, actually. That is the choice. But you know what? Some people will first self-publish. Yeah. And then off the success of that, the publisher will pick them up. Mm. and then they get it published and you know let's see how that goes what is a question people should ask themselves if they're having this dilemma at the moment about whether to try and get a publisher or self-publish I think you don't ever have to close off any path you know mm. particularly at that phase you you have a play at, at both you know look mm -hmm. go down the route of self-publishing what would it take to self-publish and if you're feeling like oh but then I wouldn't have this okay what is it you think you're going to get with a publisher that you you could get for yourself but honestly a lot of the a big sell for going with a publisher is that oh I'm hopeless at PR and marketing it would be so nice for someone else to do it for me do not assume that a publisher will do it for you mm. and even if they try and they send out a press release amongst many that week that they'll send to all the press um you know because also remember how many books come out each week it might it might not get picked up and so many like people who have commanded a good you know chunky advance are still often advised to hire their own pr person outside of the publishers really yes you know, and I, I know lots of literary agents who will say, look, if you do have the money, um, then I would suggest you get your own PR because they're usually going to be a lot, they're going to spend a lot more time on and focus on your book if you're mm. paying them directly than the probably overextended, burnt out PR team that's trying to 
promote a thousand books a second you know so it's also to have compassion for what they're being asked to do on their side but my big issue with the whole thing is that the publishing industry has to stop this propaganda about how wonderful it is and how grateful you should be to be asked to finally write that book of your dreams except maybe changing this and this and not quite doing it like that but this um because of what a wonderful world it will open you up to like the reality is they will look after all the costs including an editor the printing Mm. all of that stuff and they will have a pr marketing team look at it and they may or may not secure you any press or marketing um and there is a kudos an undeniable kudos with having being a published author so but go into it with your with your eyes open because Mm. it's not all it's um all it's claimed to be and they will in those meetings with publishers be like oh my god and you're this and there's this don't buy it do not buy it don't buy it Mm. i don't know why they they've got to stop doing that and they've got to be more honest and they've got to start by saying when we call it an advance, sorry, it's a very misleading uh, term because in reality, you probably won't have a contract signed or the money. But they'll expect until you the to start writing. It. Yeah, which I find such a, the fact that I didn't have a contract signed, mm. let alone the money, and I was expected to then pause my life. Were you nervous at any point that it wasn't going to go through? Of course I had that in my head. Yeah. I mean, I assumed that like, once they'd given me the offer, they weren't going to go back on yeah. it. But I mean, what are we in the world of a gentleman's handshake? Like, oh it's not. I, so if I do ever, and I and I, I would like to write more books, and I probably will go with a publisher one day if anyone will have me after I've talked and talked about how. <laughs> well, they might change their game. Well, Maybe hopefully. they'll all have read Burnt Out and they'll be like, we've got to change something. <laughs> no. But I will say, I'm not going to write a word of this until I have a contract signed yes. and the advance Good. in the bank. And, and I, but had I known that, mm. I, you know what though, had I known that I probably wouldn't have had the guts to say it because who am I as a first time author to put down a boundary like that? Yes. I'll just, I'll take what I can. It's a real because, power dynamic, isn't it? Of course, because it's so many writers dreams to be a published author and they take advantage of that. Uh, whether they realize it or not, the whole system takes advantage of that. The people that work within it, are just working within a, within a system that's probably not treating them well either. But it's it's really got to be addressed because it's, God, writers are such beautiful, brave souls to be putting their words out into the world and they need to be treated better. So that, Manifesto. I, that is why I quit <laughs> the publishing industry while still having a book that is currently published by the other publisher but you know i quit my and we, took my and we thank you for that yeah yeah thank you as you as you were carry on thanks um well i mean they just have them there sitting in a warehouse and they send them out whenever an amazon order comes through I send on to... demand rather than print on demand <laughs> yes but um that is why i quit publishing and took my journals back and self-published them i love that and i felt it was a very good overview of the highs and lows of Publishing and self-publishing. Well, I want to share this because this is the first time I've I've shared. I did an article for Emma Gannon's Control Out Delete mm. um, Substack not so long ago. That was the first time I spoke about it, um, which felt a bit nerve-wracking. But I really want to share this around because I really do want to just say this is this is my certainly my experience of it, and there are you know different ways to get your brilliant book idea, your yeah. book baby journal baby out into the world and do it. 
do it because it's even if you get 50 books out there how brilliant how yeah. brilliant that 50 people are reading your words and it's making a difference or moving them or entertaining them or whatever it may be you're so, so yeah. right I remember someone saying to me when you think about numbers think about an actual in real life room yeah because if you had 50 people in a room that feels quite big that's quite a lot yes. of people but when we think about oh, only 50 people when we start looking at the numbers we're looking for for books we might think it has to be in the, the thousands or millions for it to be worthwhile of course but, but thinking of 50 people sitting in a room every single one of them saying I loved your book I read your book that's a lot of people I always say that about you know coaching I'm like you know, you start out like, I want to help everyone. I want to help people all over the world. I want to, you know, and then I actually, it's just like, what if you really helped a hundred yeah. people in your lifetime to change their lives so that they were doing work or living a life that they really loved or in a relationship they really loved or whatever it is you help people with a hundred people, mm. like you say, in a room, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. And I was like, I think I might have already done that. Yeah, I'm so, sure you have. I'm going to just chill out a bit now. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got 18 teachers at the moment in this school and it feels like amazing because I'm like, that's 18 going off into the school because they were at the same school. The ripple effect of that. The ripple and, effect. And then you're like, well, it's just one school. I mean, I, I have this weird thing with the teaching, the working with the teachers where I'm like, and my coach said to me a while back, what's your big dream with it? And I was like, this feels very satisfying as it yeah. is. And it's the yeah. first time that I haven't been like, once this has grown, then I'll feel like I'm doing the work. Like it already feels like the work. Yeah. Amazing. And that, I Amazing. think that's, that's a real shift for me. Yeah. And that, do you know what? I think that's unplugging from the, like the capitalist um, mindset, which wants everything to be big and global, you know? And I think when we start out in businesses, we really get caught up in that. And there's a lot of people out there teaching about how to start businesses that will sort of set you off with like you know yeah. don't limit how big this could go and it's like oof, actually and I was definitely like that mm. I would say I'm I'm my dreams are becoming smaller in a weird way if I think about it over the past more decade. intimate maybe more but but smaller more yeah. I wouldn't even call it realistic but just recognizing why in the world would I once have thought millions why did I need to say I in my vision a million people a year are doing my course <laughs> how terrifying no thank you I don't want to be that consumed by my work like well, you know that's, I mean? the thing is like I have like a couple of hundred people on my newsletter and maybe after everyone I send a few people message me but I was imagining if like thousands of people message me every time I send a newsletter I would be so overwhelmed I would want to get yep. back to them all I'd want to read I would have burnout from that I think I I have clients who have that yeah I have clients with millions of followers yeah and I do not envy what so they have to deal with and yeah. the trolling yeah and the the abuse and the the ex expectation of your time of like this weird ownership over people who have gazillions of followers it's it's a whole different set of challenges and it is not easy. This has been great. I mean, what wisdom. And thank you for being so honest as well. I <laughs> feel like we've been a real behind the curtain of your life and the publishing 
scene, which is exciting. Yeah. A bit of like inside scoop. Um, what what do you want to leave people with, both wisdom wise, and you know, seven year old son channeling, but also <laughs> stuff that people can buy from you or look up. <laughs> um, I think in terms of with with the book pub to publish or or to self publish, um. I don't think write off either of them as an option. So if you are wanting mm. to write a book or a journal, be open to both as the option. And and because what I re what breaks my heart is seeing people wanting to get a publishing deal and that becomes the everything. And then they stop doing the thing they actually want to do, which is mm. write their book. Um, so keep just, yeah, be the writer, write that book or journal and be absolutely committed to getting out into the world whichever way that ends up being yeah, yeah um and in terms of quitting it's never going to feel easy to quit um but it is an inevitable part and a necessary part of designing a life that you love and growing yeah. and evolving and making sure that the life that you're living and the work that you're doing is aligned with who you are today because we are always changing, evolving, mm. and growing, and so inevitably, certain things we're going to grow out of them. Um, so seeing it yeah. as natural, natural, rather than, than a problem, and it's natural to throw the baby out with the bathwater, yes. and that's okay. You might turn around and be like, "That's it, I'm done with this career. I never want to step foot in or do a thing again." And then find yourself a few months later going, "Oh, well, actually." Um, <clears throat> So I, I I had forgotten I do quite like this bit and that bit. That's mm. fine too. That's definitely a very natural part of the process. Yeah, and maybe you need to disassociate completely from it, just have that break as well. Yeah. Give you yourself permission. Yeah. Give your I that's a, that's a good one actually. Yes. Give yourself permission to fully quit that thing. Yeah. That you are done with. Give yourself permission. Like, that's I'm done. I I'm gonna quit it. Maybe mm. not quite yet, but yeah, give yourself permission to step into that. Mm. And sometimes being okay with quitting that thing that you've dedicated yourself to for years could be a relationship, could be a career, whatever it may be. Sometimes in doing that, you realize, oh, hold on. I don't actually want to quit it altogether. Mm. There's the baby. I'm going to bring it back. I just want, I need to do it in a different way. Yeah. I always say to people who are leaving teaching, like, because I felt I left teaching and was like, right, I'm terrible at teaching and I hate teaching yeah. and I need to never teach again. It's like, no, no, I, it was a very specific context of a really difficult state high school that I'm not very good at. Yeah. But I love teaching. I love yeah. helping people learn. I love one-to-one -one teaching. I love group workshops. I love thinking about learning and designing learning. It took me years to be like, oh no, I'm a good teacher. I'm just not very good yeah. at behavior management, basically. But yeah, I can't. I, and I always say that to teachers are thinking of quitting. I'm like, like audit now all of the bits that you actually love about this job and find a new place for them because yeah. you're going to miss them. Yeah, and there are always so many more ways we can carry on doing the parts that we love. Yeah, we just have to, you know, think creatively and, yeah. Oh, I could talk all day, all day with you, Sarah. Ah. <laughs> and and where can people find you? So, so keep us succinct two places two of the best places if you are on instagram i the main place is we are project you Ugh, boring underscore we are project you underscore. Why is that boring? 
No, it's uh, what's no the boring is the underscore bit. <laughs> Not we are project you. We are project you. Isn't boring at all. It's wonderful. I love being on there. It's the fact that you have oh, to do underscores. Oh, boring. The underscores is the boring bit. Um, also <laughs> at Selena the coach, it's been interesting mm. to. That's been a bit of throwing the baby out with the bathwater and then going then? back. Because so I've that, seen them both, but what? Was... Yes. Well, this is what I've been figuring out actually. Which it? What are each one all about? So. Project U is really all about how to design a life you love. So if you want to design a life and live a life that you really enjoy living and have a career that you're re- doing stuff you really enjoy, then Project U will show you how to do that. And if you just want to feel happier, more peaceful, more fulfilled, like day-to-day, then Project U is all about that. It's about designing your day-to-day, designing your life, mm. also designing your own Project U toolkit, knowing what you need to really feel good and for everyone it's a bit different but you know journals and things like that are things that I offer that help with that and then Selena the coach that's really where I talk a lot about burnout Mm. Um, and I'm going to get back into really focusing on burnout there because it's such an important topic and I have a lot to say um, and you know more specific career focused stuff when it feels um, too much for Project U but yeah those are the places and then then I've got my websites, which are weareprojectu.com and selinabarker.com. And then that's where you'll find my books and things. Nice. And, yeah. You are a brand, my dear. You're two brands. You're two confused brands. No. Well, they're not confused at all. But again, like I say, ever evolving. Mm-hmm. And Project U just began last year. So I'm still figuring out, right, what is Project U? What's that going to focus on versus the Selena Barker brand but I'm I've started to realize that yeah Selena Barker is going to talk a lot about burnout because we need to just keep talking about that because so many people suffer from burnout and are exhausted and miserable at work and Project U talks about yeah designing a life that feels good I love that love that distinction yeah and which account did you post that you were having a midweek morning bath yesterday? Yeah, that's, I was, that's Project U. That's Project U. I did the same. You inspired me. I was like, no, I'll do that too. Oh, it felt absolutely triumphant, I think is what I said, because I don't do that a lot. Oh, really? And I was like, I, I need to take the morning off and I will ask my boss. And she said yes, because it is me. Yay! <laughs> Often she'll say no, but on this occasion she said, you yeah. absolutely, you need to do this. Selena, what a pleasure. I feel like it is beautiful that 10 years after me doing your course, you are now on my podcast. Yeah, I love I it. Did, it only took me a decade to get someone <laughs> of your status. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been it's a real honour. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to Ooh. really wanted to talk about publishing and self-publishing options. Let's put it that way. I love it. No, you've been really generous with sharing all of that. So thank you. Thank you. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Well, uh, I will be going to the park to pick my son up at some point, who is being looked after by other parents at the moment. And then, yeah, just going to chill out, I think. Do some drawing together. (laughs) So dreamy. Well, I hope you have some good wisdom for you today. (laughs) I just love that. It's probably like the thing I'm going to remember from this conversation. (laughs) Your seven-year-old telling you to take a break between projects. (laughs) So weird. To this day, I don't know where he got that from, but yeah. (laughs) 
the beating of the like the beating of the drum the beating of the drum the beating of the drum the beating of the like you can find out more about selena at selenabarker.com and you can download the new guide at weareprojectu.com forward slash the guide please share this with anyone who you think would enjoy it remember to rate and review and we'll see you next time Thanks for joining us today.